Welcome to Duke Basketball Junkies, uh, the place for frank discussion on all things Duke basketball. This is uh, episode three, uh, just a few days before Thanksgiving. Um, I'm here with Mike. What's up? Uh, had a couple, couple, not close games, but it, they both sort of made me nervous at least at various points. Maybe not significant games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We didn't get to watch them together again. We're zero for five on the season. We might be zero for seven until Michigan State. Yeah. Um, you know, for those of you, we don't think we have built any kind of audience yet. We haven't put a lot of effort. In. I don't think we know how to yet. Perhaps at some point we'll we'll we'll, we'll start uh, promoting this. But for now, we're happy to just sort of record in the dark here, share it with a few friends. Um, Mostly just having fun. Yeah, we did start a Twitter. It's uh, Duke BB Junkies. Uh, if you're on Twitter, I actually sort of live tweeted. Uh, not the whole game. I don't like when Twitter feeds like talk about every play. You know, Grayson Allen hit a three pointer. No kidding. I'm watching the game. You know. Right. Uh, but I tried to put up some information about some of the players that we were going against before the game. Uh, if that's something you guys are interested in checking out. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. We'll, you know, occasionally Peter will maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll teach you how to use Twitter. Yes, I've never tweeted. Because you're the funnier of the two of us. You nah. throw in sarcastic comments. I wouldn't say that's true, but I do have prop inappropriate comments about certain things like Chase Jeter and his reaction to that injury. Yeah, what did you text me? Uh, I said he's probably a prima donna and it's probably just a sprained ankle. Yeah, and I said, no way. There's it, no it way. It has to be, he has to have broken a bone because he is wailing on the, on the court. Based on his reaction, he should have either broken a bone, had torn an ACL, or had ruptured an Achilles. Right? Yeah, because it wasn't like the I mean, first 10 seconds. 60 he, seconds he went on later. and on and on. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll just say, you know, I was never an athlete. I mean, a competitive athlete. I played sports, but... If I ever had a reaction like that in a game, I would definitely not suit up the very next day and play in the next game. Like, it's just, he's sort of like the boy who cried wolf, like his reaction to the injury. Well, he's definitely got hurt. Of course he got hurt, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was going on and on it like he his career had ended. Uh, this is probably too harsh. I'll just stop right here. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. Uh, yeah. he's, he's a nice kid, and I'm sure it did hurt quite a lot. You're not seven feet tall. You don't know how it fucking feels. <laughs> <laughs> True. Can't deny that. And, uh, you know, Duke medical staff probably, you know, taped it up just the right way. And he, he didn't start the next night. You know? Yeah, he didn't He didn't play the rest of the game, and he didn't start the next uh, game. And I think that was that actually benefits us. But if you were on the Twitter feed, we would have never been able to take back your comment. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we want, because uh, why not? Why yeah. Not? I mean, there's nothing at stake, really. Although, you know, come on. Um, that that Penn State game, it definitely had that the feel of a game of attrition. It seemed like, you know, Chase got hurt. It Grayson pulled up with that gimpy foot. It was a toe injury, and he pulled himself out. And, again, like, you're not sure how serious of an injury it is, but then when he when, when the staff took him to the back, I'm assuming for x-rays and whatnot, like, it, you're starting to worry now. Like, yeah. like who are we going to play? I mean, every game, they're just going to take him back there, give him the special sauce. And he'll come back out and play, yeah. and he'll be fine. He'll just limp a little bit. 
limp a little bit. And then in, in the second game, you could clearly tell he is so gimpy. Like he's, yeah, is just look at his gait. It's. Yeah, and you wonder know, why he's playing. He only played thirty-seven minutes, so that, that's why. <laughs> you know? God forbid, God forbid, Jack White comes off all, all the way from Australia and gets to play five minutes while Grayson Allen like rests. For you know, they're up twenty-one in the second half. But um, you know, uh, should we get into that? Get into what? I guess uh, before before we get into the games too much, the other thing we've done this week is we've actually gotten on iTunes. Google Play and Stitcher. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's great. Wasn't that hard to do? They had no idea who we were. It didn't matter. You know, I thought, you know, I thought maybe you needed to be somebody. You don't. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty excited to see our logo and yes. Duke Basketball Junkies on iTunes. You can download it. Looked looked great. It's probably the most excited I've been in years. <laughs> That's how, that's how boring my life has been the last few years. Well, it's been a couple of years since you final table a tournament, right? <sighs> right, right. Uh, okay, we'll get into poker a different day uh, when we have nothing else to talk about. But uh, but yeah, uh, Penn State and then Rhode Island. Um, you know, both both big conference teams or relatively big conference teams. Uh, neither, yeah. neither have been that good at basketball in a little while. Right. But uh, let's let's hit Penn State first. Uh, you know, uh, what did you think? What did you think of how the how the guys played? Obviously, you had the Chase Jeter injury. And yeah, Grayson. there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, when Jeter went down, Grayson went down. You're you're sort of looking around. And I'm like, who who else is left? You know, to play. And I think both Delorey and and Vrankovich came in. Um, and they had some foul trouble, right? Or was that? Am I thinking back to Kansas? I think I'm thinking back to Kansas. I think it was a lot. Of I think it was trouble. more Kansas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the scoring and 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 uh, the playmaking, everything was distributed sort of evenly. I think, it, you know, um, everyone contributed points and boards and assists, and it was sort of a team effort. It was very balanced. Um, yeah, it was it was a good win. Yeah, and then. Um, and they took apart Rhode Island pretty effectively. Rhode Island beat Cincinnati the day before. Has a ranking. Had has some seniors. Has some juniors. <clears throat> uh, coached by Danny Hurley, little brother of Bobby Hurley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know their their dad is the legend. Is a legendary high school basketball coach from St. Anthony's. Yes, Bobby Hurley senior. Uh, Rashawn McLeod comes from St. Anthony's. One of my all time favorites. Just he never was- never miss a shot. Uh, I don't remember him ever missing. Rashawn McLeod? Softest touch. Softest mid-range jump shot in Duke history as far as I'm concerned. He was definitely one. I liked him a lot also. Um, again, I was sort of disappointed. He he washed out pretty quickly in the NBA. I think he had an injury, a serious injury. And I think uh, he's he's coaching. I think he had a knee injury. Yeah. I, I do think if he came out today with the shooting culture and not... Because he was... A tweener? Yeah. I mean, nowadays, if you can shoot... You can play in the league. Yeah. You know, if you have some athleticism. He he had some injuries before. I know he's a transfer, but like Rutgers or a New Jersey school. Yeah, I feel like he wasn't like lightning quick, but anyhow. Yeah. St. Anthony's gave us him plus that guy Bobby Hurley, who was pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> right, right. So uh what'd you think of how Danny looked? He looked uh, definitely looked, looked older. And I remember uh, him when he played for Seton Hall. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, it it seemed like he was pretty carefree. Like if you looked at his halftime interview, he was like, you know, our guys just need to relax. I think the the mentality was, you know, Duke is clearly better. You just need to settle down and execute and just hope that we can pull off an upset. But he was just go with the flow. We just need to settle down because I think they start off a little bit shaky. Yeah, they um, they didn't they didn't shoot super well. Uh, <clears throat> Alan Iverson's cousins on the team, <laughs> which I tweeted out about. He didn't do much. He only had two points. He's a starter. He had had double digits and uh, in the previous game against Cincinnati. Yeah. And um, the guy I thought was going to do the most damage, GC Matthews. Uh, who missed all last year with an ACL uh, a red shirt. and he had a really good year the year before uh, I read something that said he was 6'5 but he looked kind of smallish okay. um, but he only had he only had 9 I think he was a focus of the defense uh, he would have been averaging 20 this year or close to 20 and had averaged over 15 as a sophomore um, but yeah they uh, they were athletic they mm-hmm. were long and uh, we handled them we handled them pretty well and we did it basically playing five guys. Five guys. Yeah. Entering that game, I was actually curious to see if Coach K could actually start five guys and have them all play 40 minutes. Well, we were texting. I was expressing shock and outrage that, that, that given the injuries against Penn State and their, the size of their lead in the second half and sort of didn't look like Penn State was really a threat in the second half. That, that they yeah. They wouldn't go, go deep into the bench, rest the guys. Yeah. And... They just, they just didn't. Yeah. You know, and and then even in this game, I guess the final score we only won by ten, but we were we were up fifteen to twenty a lot of the second half, and they didn't really go to the bench either. Right. Um, which is interesting. So before we get into that, I guess they two two well played games, but and pretty much everyone that played played well, right? Uh like, yeah. Emil Jefferson. Yeah. I mean. W- money Jefferson is un, has been unbelievable and right. actually to be honest like my memory might be a little bit foggy from last year but he played pretty much at this level before he got hurt and then that injury just lingered on and on like his numbers were right around 11 and 9 or 11 and 10 and this year he's probably like 13 and 10 um, but he has just been amazing like I, I feel like he's taken some ownership of the team like he's barking at teammates for defensive lapses, like he's really getting getting on people's cases. I just looked it up. Thirteen and ten exactly, like thirteen point zero, ten point zero. How did you do that? Did you look it up? Some people research before <laughs> they don't look it up during the podcast. Well, he said probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he looks terrific. I mean, a lot of leadership coming out of him. Yeah, very vocal. Right, and just doesn't and it, you know he's traveling. Yeah, he's but, right, but he's shooting seventy percent from the field. So who cares? Yeah, and it's not just that. You know, maybe expectations for him would just be garbage man, you know, set picks, play defense, talk on defense, um, and grab rebounds. But offensively, when he gets the ball within, you know, five to eight feet of the basket, he seems to have a a decent number of moves that he can go to with his back to the basket, and he puts up a pretty high-quality shot. So I think that is a pretty big plus. The way he finishes, the way he stretches towards the rim on these, like, back to the basket moves sort of reminds me of like a like an Anton Jameson a little bit 
Um, he's not as explosive. Uh, he's not as, not as good on offense. Okay, I, I would say uh, Carlos Boozer. Not quite there, but like a, a lesser Carlos Boozer. Uh, can go either left or right, spin moves, uh, drop steps. Um, yeah, he doesn't have the touch. They're, they're usually all, they're almost all layups. They're they're like sometimes a floater. Okay. But he doesn't go out to. I mean, if he developed like a 15, 18 foot jumper, or even even twelve to fifteen. Yeah. But I like he's maybe he does. Maybe like he's smart there. enough, or he's coached up well enough that he knows that there are better shots than that for this for this particular team. Yeah, it's just not his role. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it doesn't need to be a shooter. I mean. If he wants to make it in the NBA, I imagine, you know, he may need to may need to develop a three point shot to be like a stretch four kind of a thing. Well, that everybody needs a three point shot in the NBA these <laughs> that days. might that might never happen. So, well, imagine Lance like yeah, Lance Thomas. Lance Thomas has yeah. developed a three point shot, and he he's had some inter- interesting games in the NBA where he's been on fire from outside. Which, given his play at Duke, you would have never have guessed, but. Anyway, I'm looking at Emil Jefferson's stats, and he's, he, except for his freshman year, he's never shot below 63% from the field in the season. I mean, I guess he's yeah, mostly laying okay. it in and dunking, but right. still, I would say outside, finishing at the basket, yeah. if you finish at the basket at that higher rate, that's pretty good. Yes, but I would, I would say, with the exception of this year, in previous years, nearly all his shots are going to be pretty, essentially layups are close to him. Yeah, he played 30 minutes a game last year in a short stint. Blocked 1.2 shots a game. This year, 2.6 so far. So yeah, lot, yeah. It, definitely a bit more of a presence. His uh, off like offensively, he's he's been a, a very pleasant surprise. I mean, I so I have to ask you the question. Um, let's let's say it, in this hypothetical that Harry Giles is not going to play at all this year, and. Would you take two Emil Jeffersons, or would you take one Emil Jefferson plus Marquise Bolden? I don't understand. Let's say let's 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 say let's say we can clone Emil Jefferson and we can have two of them. Would you rather have two Emil Jeffersons, like on the court playing simultaneously, or would you take the the unknown high upside potential of Marquise Bolden and? Have one Emil Jefferson and one Marquise Bolden. Do you, do you understand the question? This is a bizarre question. No, I, I mean, I, I think it's a. I don't question. think we need two of the exact same player on the court. I mean, I guess it wouldn't hurt. You have two guys mopping up rebounds, blocking shots, playing good defense, finishing at the rim. But, but you can't have two low post players. I mean, if he's only a low post guy, yeah, then you're gonna clog up the lane and have a spacing issue. So. Now, Bolden may be a more dominant post player. I'm not sure. I don't know if he has a face-up game. Yeah. I imagine, you know, I definitely will take uh, Jason Tatum. Oh, for sure. But I, I think Tatum is a little bit more... We just um, don't know. We just don't yeah. know anything about these super fresh. Right. You, know? you might love Emil Jefferson. and Well, let me... This let, other guy might okay. be an NBA Hall of Famer. Let, let me pose it to you this way. When Bolden comes in and he plays the rest of the year, do you think he will perform at a higher level than Emil Jefferson the rest of the way? Unlikely. Highly unlikely. Yeah, it's yeah. unlikely. Because, I mean, Jefferson does pretty much everything we can ask of him down low. But And defensively. But I'll take a healthy Harry Giles. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we might sacrifice some players to get Giles in action. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, 
thrilled for for Jefferson. He looks terrific. It looks like he's having a blast. Yeah. And he's leading us to wins. And then the other guy is Luke Kennard. Yeah. Well, actually, before we get to Luke Kennard, let me ask you one other question mm-hmm. on Emil Jefferson. Um, I actually wasn't that thrilled with the, the closeout of both Penn State and Rhode Island. It seemed like we had like a 15, 16-point lead, and then we made some sloppy passes and whatnot. It appeared to me in the Rhode Island game that the coaches have given Emil Jefferson the green light to actually bring the ball up. Do you, would you agree with that? I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I think he. I think he's he's a leader on the court, and you know, I think they trust him. Yeah. I don't know if they've told him, "Hey, bring up the ball, Emil." I don't, probably not. Well, okay. So I facing I've, pressure. Yeah. Can, is he trustable with the ball? Yeah. Should he be the guy breaking the pressure? Yeah. No. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> I, I want to say he's he's brought the ball a handful of times uh, in the course of the game, but when we're closing out the team, like in the last four minutes of a game, I I saw him bring up the ball like three times, like he was the guy to 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 actually cross half court, and it reminded me of uh, Justice Winslow back two years ago, where it seemed very evident that Winslow was given the green light to grab a board and then just be the just ball go end to end. yeah just go end to end. And, like, I, I feel like uh, there's certainly upside there because he's guarding, he's being guarded by a guy who's not as good of a perimeter defender or an on-the-ball defender for the length of the court. But, he like, against that... I think Justice Winslow is an anomaly. In the title game, like, he made some <laughs> he made some poor dribbling decisions, I think. You know, like, he was out of control. Well, I think he ran they were incredibly tr- good on those end-to-end yeah. moves and, like, the other teams in that tournament, early in the tournament, just failed to stop the ball. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think if you ran it back and you had him try to the same plays over and over again, it, the results wouldn't have been as good. And I don't think, you know, the pass passing the ball gets the ball up court faster than dribbling the ball, right. no matter how fast you are. Right. So I think I think that was just sort of a weird thing. Right. I don't think Emil Jefferson's trying to channel his inner Justice Winslow at the end of these games. I think it's just. Everybody's tired. Yeah. And play gets sloppy at the end. These guys are ironmanning it all game. And luckily, Rhode Island really wasn't up for the challenge. Penn State obviously wasn't up for the challenge. Kansas was. Yeah. You know, and when you're playing with a short bench and you got five guys playing the whole game, breakdowns are going to happen. Although, you know, they still shot well. Towards the end of these games, you're talking even in Kansas against Kansas, they made a bunch of threes at the end. Right. So like, you know, I don't know that that's a perfect argument either. Right. But yeah. No, it was just something I noticed. Um, it it just seemed like he had the green light to dribble the ball up the court, and I just found that interesting because on on one hand it, it makes sense because the guy defending him probably won't be that good, you know, laterally. Um, right. If he gets a double team though. Right. But it's it seems like. Wouldn't you rather have Frank Jackson or Luke Kennard or, or, or Grayson Allen bring the ball up? And I, th- I think the biggest liability there is the other teams should know that Emil's like a 50% free throw shooter. You know, they should foul him, especially when they're down, you know, 10 points or, or, or whatever it was. Yeah, he's been a poor free throw shooter his entire career, consistently. Yeah. Um, as, as, as are most bigs. It's a good point. I'm glad you're not coaching the other team down the stretch in the tight game. If they need, you know, if they need to trade three for for free throws, that's the guy they should foul, and he's the only guy who's not not a good free throw shooter. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So maybe at the end of games, I mean, maybe one of these freshmen is maybe Chase. Is pre- probably Chase Jeter is worse. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna be on the court that much in crunch time. 
but or maybe Jason Tatum's coming in. Yeah. And uh, maybe uh, he, my guess is he is a good free throw shooter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard. Looked amazing. Best player on the court. Uh, a meal. Yeah, they, they both did. They both certainly seem like the most valuable players on our team for this weekend. I mean, the efficiency, Luke yeah. Kennard's efficiency on offense. He played four, all 40 minutes against Rhode Island. Against uh, Penn State, not quite as, a, as a efficient, but still did a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, I, I took note of his defense. I'm noticing he's, like, just very heady on defense. Even when he's, like, recovering, he's just tricky. He's got, got good hands. He He's just a very smart player all around. He, he makes the right passes. He takes the right shots. It's very comparable to John Shire. Yeah. I, see similarities there because Shire's coaching him, maybe help him out? I think... You think he's better, much better. I th- well, he's a much, much more effective scorer. And I think he's a better athlete. Right. Um, Something about did him. Did he dunk a ball after, after play stopped? He went up with two hands and jammed. Like, he got fouled early in the play, and he kind of went up in one of these two games. Like, I, I vaguely recall Like, he that. hasn't really in-game dunked, right? Right. So, you know, I don't want to compare Luke Kennard to the only other white guys, right? That's okay. not what I want to do. Okay. And so last week when I was like, I don't know if this guy really has an NBA future, despite his incredible production as a freshman. Right. It's partly because I get well, it wasn't I'm falling incredible. into that trap. Yeah, it wasn't incredible, his freshman production. It was good. And it was definitely, um, like like we discussed, well, yeah. he, he sort of ran bad. Like we felt he's better than a 32% three-point shooter. Um, yeah. But. I mean, he you know, scored 11.8 a game last year. I guess that's not incredible. Yeah. But starting, had confidence of Coach K. Uh, I want to say he only started like a handful of games, maybe 10 games. Under 10, probably. Yeah, we don't get a lot of freshmen that that contribute that regularly and that are, you know, are in there at crunch time consistently. Tyus Jones, Justice Winslow, Julia Wilkefor, Brandon Ingram, Austin yeah, Rivers, yeah, yeah. Kyrie I'm not Harding. talking about one and done guys, you okay. know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what You're I mean? Talking, like, yeah. If he's going to have a four-year career here... Yeah, we and we and we might not have that. I think coming into the season, we thought he would be at least three years, most likely four years. You know, yeah. maybe if he has that great of a season, he might consider going early. Also, if he shoots fifty percent from three point range and he really does measure at six six or six five, yeah, and he's more athletic than we think he is, than we thought he was, right? Then I don't know why this guy couldn't, right? be a good, good two guard in the NBA I mean those numbers are going to come down I feel like by the end of the season he'll be like a 50% field goal shooter and a 40% three point field goal shooter but I mean, again, he just he just does so many things well you know like everything he shoots well from the outside so you have to respect that he can dribble penetrate and score from the inside and he can also dribble penetrate and dish off so he's he's just really he was really good you know Really good. Really good against Kansas, too. I mean, 7 of the 10 from the field against Kansas, 8 of 11 from the field against yeah. Rhode Island. Those are the only two kind of good teams we've played. Those were his two, two best games, and we needed them. Yeah. So, kudos to him, man. It was, I did not know. I, I listened to the post-game interview um, after the Rhode Island game. Did you know he's ambidextrous? I've noticed that he is just Go, capable of yeah. a lot of different tricky moves Going either from way. From within 15 feet. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know he was completely ambidextrous. Ambidextrous? Both ways, too? Like, jump, uh, jump shots. Yeah. That I don't know, but I, I do recall him when he's, like, within five, six feet, not being afraid to go with his right hand also. Yeah, I mean, every... I every, mean, obviously not often. Every major college player should be able to go both ways. I'm not sure Emil likes going left, but, you know... Should be something in the repertoire. Should be able to use either hand when laying it in. Yeah, a lot of high school players can't. In or, in high school, <laughs> using his right hand, he was an all-state quarterback. Well, that's interesting. That is that is impressive. And I know he put up sick numbers in high school as a as a as a player, scoring numbers, right? Yeah, I don't know if he scored the most all-time in Ohio, but I definitely know there were a few headlines when he passed LeBron James uh, in terms of scoring points. Yeah, maybe he's just gonna. Blossom and maybe some get better. Maybe he's running bad still. Maybe he's uh, really a 60% shooter from three. Wouldn't that be nice? Maybe he's the greatest. Uh, anything is possible. So I asked a few a few of our buddies uh, what they thought cause about his like NBA comparables or just just to start thinking about it. Um, and a couple people, a couple people said, "Well, he's better than Seth Curry, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Seth Curry is the now like oh has, Seth has a, Seth okay Seth Curry, when you said Seth when Curry. you said that I dismissed the idea immediately about, because I in my mind registered Steph I'm Curry I'm thinking about the Duke Curry. guys Seth Curry Seth Curry is he Pareto efficient better uh, than Steph Curry I thought I saw I, mean, I thought taller. I thought Seth was better as a three point shooter better ball handler uh, a bit. I, I don't know about okay. that um, but I felt like um, he couldn't penetrate as well and I mean I think he did penetrate. A decent amount, but in terms of like penetrating and then dishing off, I think Luke definitely has the advantage. And it's also tough to say with with uh, Seth because he was he was injured his his last year. Like he n- never practiced; he only played games. So it's tough to say what his mat his peak peak was, game would be. He was hampered. Yeah, a lot of his due career. But he's getting a lot of minutes with the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, and we're gonna get into checking in on all the NBA players. And I think one of the things we want to do sometime during the season years talk about the NBA comps for all the current players and maybe towards the end of the year when the draft's coming around but um, definitely a couple topics we want to get into if anyone wants to send us their thoughts on who Luke Kennard's NBA comp is I, I'd love to hear it I had a hard time thinking of one just off the top of my head um, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit but uh, you know Best player on the team this this weekend, him and Emil. Yes, and um, you know Frank Jackson should be the best player on the team. It certainly looks like the most athletic. <laughs> I mean, out of these guys, out of the guys that are playing, uh, you think Jack White is more athletic than Frank Jackson? <laughs> no, I mean the, the, the I mean Tatum and Giles and Bolton. Oh, oh I see. Out of the six guys that are yeah. actually playing and you know whoever else is on the bench that could play you know th- those three freshmen their mug shots are shown so often on tv did, any- did anything strike you about those those guys like when they when they show them sitting uh, there on the bench anything strike me yeah it's a trick question <laughs> not <laughs> a trick like like <laughs> surely something goes they're all through tall they're all tall they're, they're men right they had, you know Do, uh would it be fair to say that marquise bolden looks disengaged or disinterested I don't study this stuff like you do. No. Tell me what you're saying. I mean, that, that's it. He just sort of looks a little, and, and I think mostly it's because I feel like Giles 
and Tatum are such good friends. They're always like, you know, inside oh. jokes and talking to each other, and they're sort of engaged. Like even in timeouts, I see Harry Giles literally running onto the court and high fiving guys, you know, congratulating them on their play. I see Bolden. It, it might just be like a facial demeanor type of thing, but it just seems a little, little sluggish. And it must be tough for these guys. You know, they're sitting there. They want to play. It's tough to maybe mentally be engaged in the game the whole time. You know, uh, the first year Joel Embiid was out, I'm going to go to my Sixers repertoire here yeah. for a start. He, they just had a couple of like in-depth articles about Embiid, and uh, he's doing terrific now, fingers crossed, uh, on his health. But the, the, the Sixers and Sam Hinkie, one of the ideas was let's bring him with us everywhere and let's keep him involved, let's have him learn – you know, by watching up close, and Joel Embiid loved basketball so much that it caused him anguish, right? Yeah. And, like, it just sent him into the depths of, like, some amount of depression, I think. Really? Because it's just heartbreaking to sit there and not be able to play. Yeah. You know? So, I don't think it's easy to deal with. Uh, injuries are depressing. Yeah. And you watch it. This is supposed to be your college career. If these guys think they're one and done... They're worried about their NBA draft stock. Yeah. But they're also worried that they're missing their college career. Kyrie Irving only got like 10 games in. Right. Right? So he's sort of robbed of that experience by, what was it? His, the basketball gods? Uh, yeah. Was his foot or his hand? I can't remember. It was his toe. His toe. Yeah, yeah. You know? Nice Duke fan you are. <laughs> yeah, so it was a while ago. It was a while ago. But the basketball gods rewarded him with that. Three-point shot for the NBA for all the marbles in the uh, NBA some Game the, 7. Some of the best commercials ever. You know, dressing up as that old guy. Oh, right, right. That also. Yeah, that's the greatest. Um, so, no, I mean, I wouldn't read too much into it. And I do think you're, you're, it's an astute observation. Like, Tatum and Giles are just they're very close. Close so, friends, yeah. So, like, if the camera flashes on them, it's more likely they're going to be whispering in each, other ear, each other's ear. But my guess is they're... They're all, they're all, they're all going to get tight, and they're all going to bond as a result of this. And uh, as soon as Jason Tatum plays next week, hopefully, yeah, uh, maybe Bolden and Giles will be t- come tight. Who sits? You think when Tatum comes in? Who's who doesn't start? Yeah. Hopefully, no one's just going to sit and only <laughs> sit. I mean, Chase Jeter is going to going to sit. Uh, yeah, but he didn't start the last game. I think Frank Frank Jackson started. Oh, okay. Uh, the real question is, is Frank Jackson going to displace Matt Jones? or yeah, I think they'll bring Frank Jackson off the bench. Yeah, I agree with you. I, and I think they should. I don't know. Like uh, uh, The first couple of games, had, he, he struck me as more of a combo guard, a scoring guard. But like in the last few games, he, he seems strong with the ball, you know, bringing up the ball. Super like strong he's, with the ball. He seems like, oh, I could see. Jump s- shot, super strong. I could, but... I could see this guy being a, a strong point guard. But he's not ready. Yeah, I, I agree. He's not like, ready to like take over the team. He doesn't yeah. look like he wants to. He wants to do it here and there. That's what it seems uh, like to me. He's happy. Yeah. Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard want to be the leaders in the, in the, in the backcourt. Okay. And uh, Matt Jones is the, has the right kind of play style to play with those guys. Yeah, so. complimentary. Like you can't have five dominant scorers in there. You need yeah. you know, Matt Jones and Emil in there to complement. I mean, I think as the season wears on, you might see Frank Jackson in there, uh, at least on offense, yeah. and Matt Jones on defense, if they can go offense-defense towards the end. Right. I could see that. Um, 
I just I just like seeing Frank Jackson bring up the ball um, because we don't have a true point guard. Um, but I think when Tatum comes, yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll come off the bench. Uh, but I think there are some more interesting questions, like when Tatum gets healthy and Bolden gets healthy, then how does playing time and starting roles get, get defined? Interesting. Like I actually feel like Grayson Allen coming off the bench might be best for the team. I just don't think that's a realistic scenario. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell Grayson Allen's coming <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> Even though it could be the best move. Uh, I mean, it would be interesting, but, you know, at a certain point it doesn't doesn't matter yeah. whether he starts or comes off the bench. If he's going to... I mean, he's playing 37 minutes a game. Right. I mean, he's not coming off the bench. It, you know, because he would have a panic attack. Are you, are you worried at all about his uh, shooting numbers, or you just chalk it up to injury and playing too many minutes and things will regress back to whatever his statistical averages are i'm not worried at all not worried at all still has a beautiful shot like when he chucks up a three you're happy yeah 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 grace Allen's good and what what i appreciate is that he he seems to have taken upon himself to to make sure other guys are being set up he's not a true point guard but but he is incredibly good at, at dishing at the right moment to the other guys and he does this one thing this quick swing pass when like he gets a pass on the at, you know, outside the three point line, and it reminds me of like Golden State or San Antonio, one of these NBA. That one NBA extra pass is set up a wide extra, open three. But it's yeah. like super fast. It yeah. Barely stays in his hands. Yeah. And he his passes hit the right spots. Yeah, he's he made some really good passes. Uh, his entry passes. Uh, one was over the top to Emil Jefferson, and he said he had a beautiful like bounce pass, entry pass from the. From the top of the key, um, I think Coach K also mentioned in the post-game interview after uh, the Rhode Island game that uh, Grayson made a comment to the assistant coaches about you know you know when I'm not when my primary task isn't scoring like I see so many more opportunities things to contribute and uh, maybe that'll be a good thing for him going forward because he can be much more multifaceted instead of simply being relied on to score. I don't know if you noticed, but he he's, he had a bunch of steals. It's because he gambles a lot. And a bunch of yeah, deflections. I, I agree with you. He, his steal numbers are, are high, but it's because he gambles a lot. Um, I feel like he, he gets burned a lot, but in the la- in the two games this weekend, I well, guess I, I, I didn't guy, see it. The guy with the ball. Yeah. The guy's guarding. Right. He, you know, he is, he's a good help defender, and he anticipates what's going on in the place. He's got awareness. Okay. So, so we're, keep we're, an eye on it. We're keep on opposite on ends when it comes to evaluating Grayson's defense, 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 something like he definitely gets steals, you know, but he might give up a lot of buckets in getting the, that one steal, one and a half steal a game. Yeah. Uh, do you want to, do you want to like, do you have any words about DeLaurier? Do you want to like pay tribute to your hopes <laughs> for him? Because it's obvious that he's not going to play all year. Yeah, I was I mean, the like. ship has sailed, right? <laughs> It was so. He he you had all fired up after the first game. You were like, "Wow, look at this guy! He's so athletic." Yeah, I mean, okay. So the salivary glands are going off when you see the six ten guy built like a tank. He looks pretty athletic. Um, he was called on in the not in the art, the Rhode Island game. I don't think he played in the Penn State game. He was called on in one minute two yeah. fouls. Yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't come across looking good. Uh, same with Vrankovic, and so. 
obviously, like... Like, me or you would play these guys, give them some minutes, yeah. get them some experience in these but, spots. Okay, but I do want to underscore, we, we're not playing them because we think they're good. We, we, yes. We're just playing them to because we think Grayson Allen and Matt Jones and Luke Kennard will be better down the stretch having only played 35, 36 minutes instead of the full 40. So we just need to give these guys a little bit of a break every now and then. Um and there could be upside, like we don't know if Delorier might be good, you know. Like, and it's still pretty unfair to them to evaluate them on. Oh, they played three minutes and they got, they picked up a few fouls and they look terrible. But you know, they're coming in so cold and it's tough to contribute. Yeah, I mean, to me, of course, if you bring them in, they're they're gonna have a worse player on the court than the guy they're subbing in for right. most of the time. Right. But I think there's a lot of value to actually giving people minutes. Fertilizing their growth. Yes. And later on, if you happen to need them, they'll be there. But the other part is, I would be demoralized if I was these guys. Like, I would I, I would think, what the heck? These guys are in foul trouble. These guys are injured. Do they need to play 30? Does Grace Allen need to play 39 minutes against Rhode Island when they're, they're up double digits the whole game? You think, like... Give him a blow, coach. Yeah. Put me in there. For, and they, and they, they did put him in there, you know, for that one minute he played against Penn State. It, they put him in with five and a half minutes left in the game, and I texted you. Yeah. I'm like, what are the chances he stays in there the rest of the half? Which would make sense to give him a little run. There was no chance. Yeah. That wasn't what was happening. Coach K has, like, made a decision. Yeah. He was going to use this weekend to, like, test his guys yeah. in this little tournament format. And he knew it was going to be like a challenge. He wanted to put them through this thing, right. like a basic training kind of situation, to make them tougher, to make them believe in themselves more. Uh, those six guys—that's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. And like that—that's there's something to be said for that too. That's a pretty cool experience. Those six guys must have had. They're never going to forget this weekend. The other guys. The other guys will think about it when they put in their transfer papers <laughs> at the end of the season, you know? <laughs> so that, that's what I'd be worried about. But but that's not that, – that's why I'm not Coach K, right? Like, of, of course, like, I mean, what we're doing is Monday morning quarterbacking and, you know, we're yeah. just criticizing. But obviously Coach K is, if not the greatest, he's right yeah. up there. And he, he does things his way, but that's that's not to say that he couldn't get better. You know, that's that's not to say that maybe his uh, like closeout games or strategy wise or numbers wise, like he couldn't use some improvement. Yeah, I mean they won the games. Yeah. These guys had this this like great, maybe even transformational leadership experience, relying on these guys like going through this this war. You know, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like you're, you're putting an awful lot of, of stock into well, winning this little tournament in at Mohegan Sun um, or wherever it was. It was, it was, yeah. Uh, Sun. yeah. But like, um, I want to say that narrative was also last year. Same thing. I mean, he played six guys due to injuries, right? And they struggled the whole year. Like, yeah. I don't, the difference I don't, this year is yeah. they got reinforcements coming. For sure. So, yes. so like it's more defendable. He might be thinking, these are my six guys that are going to be playing for real. The other guys aren't going to be playing. In two months, who cares if I gave, you know, yeah, Delarier some, some ten or eleven minutes at, at, at the Mohegan Sun because he can't get off the bench when we're nine deep with 
you know, McDonald's All-Americans. Yeah. Next year I need him. <laughs> this year he'll sit there and he'll learn and he'll get humbled. And if he's like strong enough of spirit, he won't transfer. <laughs> and he'll like work against these guys in practice, get better. Yeah. And if he can't earn minutes this year, he'll be ready next year. Right. You know? And he'll be extra excited about it. Minutes aren't a given on this team. That's the counter argument, and I right, see it. Right. And I really see it this year more than other years because we got these three guys sitting there like shiny new toys, <laughs> waiting to come off the bench and potentially dominate. And when they do, the other six guys will feel strong enough to, you know, about themselves to, to not sort of feel insecure. Right. They, given they, this early experience. Sure. I can see that. Maybe. So there you go. That said, it still bothers the heck out of me. You know, so like I'd love to have seen a little, you know, some minutes for those bench guys. Um, all right, so yeah, they, you know, they won the tournament. Uh, they went up and they, they played in the Northeast again, Madison Square Garden against Kansas, Connecticut. These two games that accomplishes some things. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of alumnus are up there. I'm from up there. Uh, some of the players are from up there. Right, Emil Jefferson's from Philly. Right. I'm guessing he had friends and family at some of the games. Uh, it wasn't like a hometown game, but uh, well, they played I think 40 miles from Rhode Island's campus, so it was actually a, like a like not a true road game, but it was I imagine it's pretty much a road <coughs> game. Yeah, my buddy Josh was up there. Uh, Spiegel. Spiegel. Yeah, Spiegel got up there with his family. He texted me a picture of his kids with uh, Harry Giles. Sort of oh, cute. nice! Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good sighting, good score. Um, but yeah, I do, I do like that. You know, when I used to live in New York, it was just, it's great that he gets. He always has a game up there, at least one. In, in New York City. In New York, yeah, it's good for recruiting. It's yeah. good to like. New Jersey also Meadowlands. I remember the JJ Redick Texas yeah. game was up there. And uh, yeah, we get a lot of support up there, and. Uh, Keeps connected with the alumni. Yes. All right. So, um, you know, I think we, we talked about the games. Do you have any uh, uh, other observations you wanted to touch on before we move on? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you if we, we – you ever remember a situation like this with so many top – line players not being available to play for the first part of the season. Just, uh, like, we've, we've had situations where guys get injured in the middle of the season. Right. Like that year with Kyrie, the year with Carlos Boozer, um, when he got injured and we ended up winning the national championship. Yeah. Um, we've had notable one-player injuries. Right. This is different. This, you know, this is definitely like, different. We don't actually know what the team's going to be. Three guys three top tier guys uh, they seem fine without them but yeah. uh, they're coming right and the entire team's going to change it's almost like it's going to be a different season if and when these guys can all come back uh, I guess they're not all coming back at once so they'll be able to but it, as a, do you remember any of the years like this not not to start off the season and and I and I think but also like um, to me at least it speaks to the the college basketball landscape, the one and done culture. Um, I guess Kentucky and Duke reflects that the most. You know, Kansas also. But 
it's it's it it might be a little bit different because the injuries are to guys who are going to be lottery picks. You know, like so you want to be extra careful that they don't get hurt on a long-term basis. Um, like I, I wonder how things might have played out if they weren't lottery picks, if they were just really good players, you know? Yeah, I mean, if, if they were just like pretty good players, they might sort of get left in the dust. Uh, or, or they might play. They might play through it. Oh, right, right, right. You know? They might come back like Tatum, quicker. Tatum, I think, is just a sprained ankle or something like that, and then they try to bring him back to practice a little bit too quickly, and he re-aggravated it. So I think they just want to be super cautious to make sure that he's absolutely healthy. Um, so it doesn't seem like that big of an injury, but it seems like, you know. I feel like injuries are treated with more caution nowadays in basketball than they ever used to be uh, at the NBA level. Uh, you know, sitting out is no longer like something that makes you look weak. It's like the smart, it's a thing, smart to thing to do. It's yeah. a sport science thing to yeah. do. And you still have like Jordan and Barkley saying, oh, these guys should be playing 82 minutes, you know, like they're not tough. Right. There's so many examples of even just with Duke of guys trying to play through things and making it worse. Uh, um, you know, okay. Trajan, I mean, Trajan had that stress stress injury and turned into a stress fracture. Wow. It's so back. far back, I can't <laughs> really remember. I mean, I, I, I remember he redshirted his sophomore year, right? Yeah, he had a miss a okay. whole year. Yeah. Is that because he came back too quickly? But at first, or it just... was just like, oh, he's got a little, you know, he's just, uh, he's got like shin splints or, yeah. you know, it wasn't, well, they never really reveal the extent of the injury, but uh, just th- these lower leg injuries, yeah, uh, they can have complications. Trajan had the best looking three-point shot. I, I still think if I had to pick one Duke player to take a three to win the game, he's my guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was our year. Textbook. Yeah, I, I wish we could re- recruit a Trajan every year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish we could recruit like a Justice every year. The shot was so luscious. Uh, it seems like we, we recruit a lot of three-point shooters. Yeah. Yeah, we've had. We've, sort of like there are plenty out there. JJ Redick was Trajan plus. Yeah, I still take Trajans though. I think it's just it, his, it was just so beautiful. Yeah. His shot. Well, you had virgin eyes. You had virgin eyes. <laughs> you, you weren't jaded. And uh, that was the age where you were young enough to, where everybody on the team was kind of older than you or your age yeah. as, a, as a student. Now we're looking at them and, and, and you know, they're, they're like kids, even though they're giants. Right. You know, and they're, they're still a little bigger than life, but uh, don't, we don't look at them exactly the same. Interesting. Um, Interesting perspective. It's harder to sort of hero worship players when you know you know they're they're 19 yeah um yeah should we uh should we talk about now that you know since we we touched on all the transfers the transfer possibilities and we're hoping you know these guys stick it out and you know chase jeter is a guy who i thought last year was gonna possibly maybe decide to you know wimp out and transfer and Derek thornton Surprisingly, transferred despite getting so many minutes and having such a big role. Mm, um, but I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. He transferred, right? He's not. He definitely transferred, but I think it's because he felt like he didn't get enough minutes, and because they wanted the ball go through him more. 
but he wanted to be the guy taking the shot. Is that what you, there was there was some stuff that came out. Uh, about it. Yeah, I remember like an uncle said uh, Derek Thorne was promised more um, more opportunities where he would have the ball at the top of the key and have ball screens set for and him. One of the run, yeah. run a pick and roll, right? Like an NBA kind of yeah prep because everybody runs pick and roll yeah. in the NBA. The Duke offense. Is more of a motion offense, a little less of that. Right, but also like um, that that story seems hard to believe because you have Brandon Ingram saying like in his recruiting visit, Coach K said, "Listen, I'm not going to guarantee you any playing time. You're going to have to earn everything," which goes in the face of this supposed meeting with Derek Thorne saying, "Hey, we're going to promise you X number of high ball screens." You know, right, right. Of you course, know what I'm saying? Of like, not. not promising anything. And it's just especially a, to Derek Thorne. Although it's just a different Derek age. Came a year early. Yeah, right. he did so, like so. it. He he felt like maybe he was owed something because he sacrificed his last year in high school, and then he, he played twenty six minutes a game. Yeah, he was our point guard, and and this he shot thirty nine percent from the field. Yeah, this so. thing is not coming from him. I think yeah. it's just some knucklehead uncle. And again, we live in a different world. Like there's Twitter, so like all yeah. these extended relatives can just tweet out whatever you know. And we never truly know why people transfer. I mean, maybe they they had a, maybe they got lovesick. Or yeah. someone that they met. I mean, you have no idea. It could be anything. Right. But sometimes you do know. Right. right. Sometimes you think you know, at least. Yeah. So one of the one of the sort of weird things that isn't talked about that much in the Coach K era is how many transfers we've had. Right. Uh, people that have, you know, kids that have left. Uh, it's not one a year, but it's at least one every two years. Yeah. Uh, if... Yeah, it's it's actually it's pretty it's pretty high and and again most of them don't pan out but some of them turn into fantastic players you know like uh, there's been some lately yeah Michael Binaje, uh who transferred after his freshman year goes to Syracuse he's second team All ACC leads them to the Final Four um, it's just you know like this, this player. yeah he yeah, he had a great tournament he killed us in a game a yes games. he lit us up for like 27 he must have been so happy i think that was in cameron um and then also it's very very early in the season but if you look at the numbers for semi ojale who i think transferred um dur- I during the remember this during guy. the 2015 national title season i think he transferred because he is is he a, is a freshman with no no it was his sophomore year when he transferred okay um, again, so he sits out a season, and now he's just he's the best player for uh, SMU, uh, which is pretty good, pretty good program. You know, borderline top twenty-five. He's he's averaging tw- twenty-one and nine uh, with a very high shooting percentage, both you know field two-point field goals and three-point field goals. Um, so you know, you got Semi Ojale, Mike Binage, Derek Thornton, Elliot Williams, Alex Murphy, Oleg Chiz, Jamal Elliot Boykin, Williams. Mike Chappelle. Obviously, most of them aren't going to be that good. But you do have a couple that are truly fantastic players. Well, the original was Billy McCaffrey. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, but that's Google that's that's pre-Coach K. It's not pre-Coach K. Not pre-Coach K? No. Was it Billy McCaffrey who went to Vanderbilt and was a star? I, I think he transferred during, I don't know. during the Christian later years. Oh. You know. Uh, okay. I got to Google him to really get the exact stuff. But my recollection is... Yeah, he's 45 now, so he was there in the yeah, late 80s. For those years. For those yeah, he was there in those years. And he didn't have the, you know, he must not have, I mean, we're just going to speculate, right? Yeah. I mean, Coach K has a, 
all reports are that he is he's tough on guys. Super tough. Super tough. Super duper People tough. People forget that Bobby Knight was his mentor, that he comes from an Army background, and you know all the, the whispers around the Duke campus when we were there, it was really just what a hard ass he is behind yeah. closed doors. Super foul mouth. Super duper. And it may, it may not be that way anymore, because we're talking about... Yeah, we, we right. Went to, we went to... We got there 22 years ago, so... Yeah. And... And all, and, accounts, and all these guys, grown, these yeah, all these guys who say they go back, they say he's evolved, he's changed. Yeah. You know, he's not as hard like Jay verbally. Jay Billis on the John Shire podcast, and he, he actually yeah. talked about that. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he expected him to choose someone out in a situation, and he showed him some love essentially. Yeah, and he was like shocked, and it's like, ah, you know what? He's, he does, you and, know, and, and, he's, I'm sure he's capable of both still. Yeah, and we're assuming that that everyone listening knows John podcast. John Shire podcast, but it's yeah the off season. Off season. Uh, he just basically interviews former player or players, former players, yeah. coaches. Maybe like a dozen or so. Gets into some inside baseball stories and uh, basketball. I may actually be thinking. Of, I actually think I'm thinking of JJ Redick interviewing Jay Billis. Yeah, he was on. on he was podcast. he was on for both of them. I think he told that story. I feel like JJ, JJ. Run, does a pretty good podcast. Yeah, JJ Redick has a terrific podcast on the uh, the vertical the vertical network. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, fantastic site. Yeah, yeah, all those, all those podcasts are good. Um, way better than ours <laughs> for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we're, I don't know why we're not as good as uh, those guys. Um, but yeah, Billy McCaffrey. When I got to Duke, the stories were about Billy McCaffrey having transferred, and what a shame because he ended up being a great college basketball player. Yeah, at Vanderbilt. Um, but there were other guys, yeah, even Joe, back then. Joey Beard, Chris Burgess. Um, yeah, Joey Beard was Taylor, a McDonald's All-American. Taylor King, there. yeah. Taylor King, yeah. yeah. He never did much. Uh, I think you know, he, a lot of these guys washed out at other places yeah. or didn't do that well, but they had talent, they had promise, they were big prospects. I wonder how many of them Coach K just like kind of destroyed mentally. or they, you know, They just weren't. You know they they weren't tough to to be on his in his Marine squad. Right, know? right. Like there's those stories about Greg Newton, you know, getting thrown out of practice, <laughs> and coming back the next day with with like an extra piercing, and and like at that point something turns. Like yeah, this guy isn't going. And then but then Greg Newton turns it around. You know, he was there when we were there. Right. Greg Newton turns it around. He ends up having like a like a real good last season at Duke. Lives up to some of his potential. So the guys that can hang in, yeah, you know, even if they go through some tough times, end up doing well sometimes. But a lot of guys don't make it through boot camp. Again, and, we're we're throwing out names that maybe not everyone's familiar with. Greg Newton was a hi, highly athletic uh, <laughs> center for for Duke, like in the mid nineties. And seven footer, yeah, he, jumps yeah. Out of, jump out of the building. He was just sort had, of like a knucklehead, nice you know. Touch on a shot. Like I feel like in '95 we took a road trip to UCLA. We're getting destroyed by Tyus Edney and that and um, the O'Bannons. Like we're down 30, and Greg Newton goes down and does some crazy reverse windmill dunk, and he starts he starts uh, showboating. You know, like that's it was just sort of like, oh my gosh, what kind of knucklehead is this guy? Like look at the score, look at the scoreboard, you know. And I can't remember if it was you who told me about his term paper. Did you tell me that? I don't remember. I mean, I don't. So I don't. Maybe I, we shouldn't get into anything libelous. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny story, though. May or may not be true about 
He, this probably isn't true. <laughs> he turned in a term. It's just a, we're just, he it's turned a in a term paper that he didn't write, and all he did was he blacked out the the author's name and he wrote Greg Newton it by hand. Yeah, that, that's probably a that's probably 100% not, true. not true. That's the kind of urban legend that that that. that but it's fitting. It's fitting with, you know, like his personality, like his persona. Well, who you thought he was, at least. I Just mean, a knucklehead, you know, like a super athletic knucklehead. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have your stuff together. You have to be able to either be like, like a captain, like a leader, or be a workhorse in, in whatever you're doing. But... But the guys we're talking about, some of the guys that you just mentioned recently, yeah, Benege and uh, Semi Ojale, Elliot Williams, Derek Thornton, they're all going to be quality players. Well, I think yeah. Benege and Ojale are the are the more interesting ones because yeah. they never got a look. Yeah, Ojale never got a look. They, he got like they, five they minutes no his minutes. freshman year, it's maybe like, ten minutes for like a handful of games his sophomore year before he transferred. He got the he got the Laurier, essentially. Yeah, so like, like what we think it's about to happen to him his freshman year. Yeah, like we we bring this up because we don't know if Delorey's any good. He's pro, he's probably like a, a rough project. We don't know. We're probably pretty sure that Vrankovic has a pretty low ceiling, you know. But you know we're. We're playing things in our minds like if you continue to go six deep or seven deep and you don't give any minutes to these other guys who you who you did recruit, you know, you probably told them also that you're going to have to earn your minutes. So it's not like you lied to them. But sure. when they sit on the bench, the majority of them are going to transfer and most of those guys are not going to be very good. But you will have the occasional gems who are pr- pretty good, you know. Um, like I, I can even think like maybe it doesn't matter anymore because we get four five star recruits a year now. Yeah, and you know. Yeah. Hello, Wendell Smallwood. Hello, you know these guys are just coming yeah. in waves, and so you know maybe it's the absolute correct decision for these guys to transfer. Like, but yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe I, not to come in the first place, but but a lot of times we've been in the position where we need these guys, you know, and they're it's between under, years yeah. where we got all those huge recruiting glasses, and now we don't have them. And Benajay, I mean, if we had Benajay on the team last year, it might have been a Final Four team. Benajay and Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so it hurts the program when guys transfer. Uh, most, you know, if, yeah. if they're talented. Yeah. But some of it can't be avoided. It may be for reasons that have nothing to do with basketball. For sure. Yeah, it could be yeah. academics. It could be misconduct. It Family could be issues. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be something bad. Sure. You know, it could be that it turned out they're, they're homesick or, yeah. you know. Fa- family illness issue for Elliot Williams. Social culture on the, on the website. Yeah, Elliot Williams had, had a family issue, I remember. Yeah. But, but but there were rumors that he wasn't happy at Duke. Yeah. Elliot Williams wound up on the 76ers for, for a year as part of Just the had process. Too, too many injuries. But, uh, yeah, just a very, very freaky athlete. Ended up on yeah. the national championship team with Derrick Rose, right? Uh, or, uh, no. No. I, I don't think wrong? so. No. I Didn't think he go to Memphis? He did go to Memphis, but it was after. It was after Rose and Calipari. I think it was with Josh Pastor. Okay. Yeah. It was a, it was a few years after. Yeah. Yeah. He, play, he played in 09 when we lost to Villanova in the, when we got blown out by them in the Sweet 16. So that was, it was the following year. Okay. Yeah. Taylor King could have been uh, could have been a legend at Cameron, but I think he had a lot. He had a lot of problems. Yeah, a lot of issues. Uh, and then some guys stay buried on the bench and, and stay at Duke anyways. I mean, yeah, like Poshus <laughs> and Domzowski. 
<laughs> it's just it's just interesting because like um, you know the the high school kids now are declaring and it's uh, we already have Grant, uh, Gary Trent declared to us top top ten wing guy Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. Excuse me, uh, top ten wing guy uh, tomorrow morning I think Wendell Carter is going to declare. Don't know yet, but hopefully it'll be us. He's a top three recruit, a big man. Um, but I also saw we had another recruit, like a 90th recruit, like Alex O'Connell. And when I see that, I see, you know, the recruits are like top 10, top 15, top 20. And then you see like a top 90 guy. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my, this guy's going to be like DeLorea. He's never going to play, and he's most likely going to transfer. You know, like it's just like a... Although sometimes... Uh, sometimes, that, sometimes the, the that, kids, that, the kids that love Duke is, so much that they're just going to stay sometimes and be the... Sometimes the, the McDonald's All-America, the guy you think is going to be great, ends up playing like Chase Jeter the last year. Yeah. Or like Chris Burgess was a top five recruit. Like yeah, but again, those are bigs. You know, like I feel like bigs, their development is, you know, high high variance, high high beta. Yeah, 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 it's true. I mean, I'm sure there's been some guards that have washed out. Uh, I think, should we try yeah, to think of them? Sean Dockery, I think, was <laughs> McDonald's All-American, wasn't he? Sean Dockery, yeah, I mean, he had a pretty good career. He was, For he was sure. Still solid. Everyone says he was a great teammate, you know, just wasn't. Ricky you know, Price, wasn't Ricky great. Price sort of went downhill later in his Duke career. But he, he was good. He was a good player. Yeah. Little itty-bitty hands. Something happened there. <laughs> I mean, his, his, his career trajectory was so good his freshman and sophomore year, and he just did something to, like, really upset coach k i mean i recall like a there's some video i saw where he i mean obviously these are words coming out of his mouth but he he was saying how in practice he was one of the best players like he lit things up his junior and senior year but he never got off the bench like coach k just never forgave him for something that he did like he was just always in the doghouse um so i mean that's tragic well i mean if he was that good he would have, he would have had a better pro career but he didn't he didn't do anything yeah I mean yeah you know, I remember seeing him in summer league uh, on, a, on like an all-star roster one of these sort of you know vagabond put together teams so you know hopefully he's doing well today I loved I loved watching Ricky Price play when I was a freshman I did I did too Trajan and Ricky and, and Wojo and Wojo <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was the recruiting class yeah right what happened to the bigs that year? Uh, all right. Well, I think we've we've talked enough. Uh, hopefully, people stuck with us to the end. Any any of the half dozen or so people that started with us, uh, please give us feedback. I mean, we we know we're pretty raw. We could definitely lose uh, use feedback in terms of uh, how to how to do this better. You know. Sure. And uh, you can email us at uh, dukebasketballjunkies at gmail and tweet us at dukebbjunkies. Uh, on Twitter, uh, we don't have a Facebook page. Uh, leave a review, you know. Hopefully, you kind of like it a little bit. Be gentle. Yeah, uh, be be very gentle. We like it gentle. Um, what else? What else should we mention before we go? Uh, uh, what's so coming up? Yeah, we got two games. We got Wednesday, William and Mary. Uh, Saturday, Appalachian State. Uh, a couple of relatively e- easy games. It seems like I feel like. Uh, yeah. Maybe rest Grayson. Like that toe seems to be lingering. Like he just can't. Like how can he be effective if he? Uh, if they he know is, what they're doing. I'm sure. Yeah, they probably know Airplanes. what they're doing. Uh, yeah. And, and then Tuesday is the big matchup against Michigan State. But Michigan State seems to have stumbled out of the gate. Um, so they might, 
it'll be a good game. You know, they're a quality team. Obviously, a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, should be. I'm hoping we see Tatum at some point, like especially for that Michigan State game. And I'm hoping Grayson rests until that Michigan State game. That'd yeah, be, that'd be great. I've only seen the highlight reels on Tatum. I just I love the name. I love the idea of him. Hopefully, these guys all all live up. Uh, I mean, all we really want is their best effort, that they're healthy, and that, you know, they play the right way. Right. And dunk on people really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, That was fun. Uh, We'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Yeah. Go Duke. Enjoy your family, and hopefully we'll get a couple W's. Well, we're definitely getting a couple W's. Um, You know, Indiana lost tonight to... Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. I bet Southern. you don't know. Don't bet you don't know the the mascot there. Seventy one sixty eight. Uh, Fort Wayne. I'm gonna guess they're the Bulldogs. <laughs> Incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the, the mascot. It, it's such a foreign it's mascot mes- that's that, messed that, up. That you just that said that. No one would ever get it. Fort Wayne Mastodons. Yeah. Do you know what a mastodon is? I do not. Mastodon, I believe, is a prehistoric animal that is uh, extinct now, and uh, it's like an elephant, like a, some version of like a like a mammoth. You sound like you just made that up. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's a extra large, sort of woolly mammoth. Uh, I just looked it up. It's a it's the American version of the of the mammoth. No wonder they beat Indiana. This thing looks very intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We should really go now. Sure. All right. Uh, Go do. Nice talking to you, Peter. And happy Thanksgiving. Yep.